So Elon Musk becomes the second richest person basically ever. So the co-founder, Elon Musk, of Tesla is now the world's second richest person after he leapfrogged Microsoft billionaire Bill Gates, according to the Bloomberg Billionaire Index, which tracks the wealth of the world's 500 richest people. The 49-year-old entrepreneur, who is also the co-founder of space exploration firm SpaceX, saw his net worth rise by $7.2 billion to $128 billion on Monday, as Tesla shares surged days after the news that the electric car company will be admitted to the S&P 500 index in December. So Musk's net worth has risen by $100.3 billion in 2020, marking the largest increase among those on the Bloomberg Billionaire Index. In January, Musk ranked 35th, which is pretty crazy when you think about it, right? So you have basically Elon Musk who pretty much put everything he had right into a lot of the companies that he tried to create and then end up getting it to the point to something where basically, look, like a couple of years ago, people were slapping down Tesla, right? People did not like Tesla. People were not liking Elon Musk. Like they were just slapping him down and the car company down like crazy, right? But then Elon Musk started to actually release the whole Tesla cars. They started to get like this weird cult attraction, right? Especially from like influencers specifically, which pretty much got a lot of people to love Tesla, right? Like organically, right? Which is vastly different than what I've seen from like pretty much any other you know, car manufacturing company, right? Because, like, people who drive Teslas, people who want the Tesla, they love Tesla. They love Elon, right? It's a very crazy and interesting combination of, like, affection and coolness of the car, right? Because, obviously, if he created a horrible product, it wouldn't really you know, do well, but he created a very good product, people love the product, and people spread it word of mouth to such a degree that, to be honest, I don't think I've ever actually seen a Tesla ad, and yet they've done so much business. Like, it's crazy when you really think about it, because think about it, the amount of money that some companies might be spending on marketing when Tesla has probably one of the strongest organic reaches of any company that I have ever seen ever on this planet, right? Like, I don't think there's another company like Tesla that has more organic love of the product and company and of its CEO. But you can check out 40inbox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. You could get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And you can automate your investing with Acorns where they round up your everyday purchases to the next dollar 
and invest the difference. And you can get a small amount of free Bitcoin by joining Coinbase and investing $100 into cryptocurrency. Purdue Pharma, the maker of OxyContin, pleaded guilty Tuesday to three federal criminal charges related to the company's role in creating the nation's opioid crisis. So Purdue Pharma board chairman Steve Miller pleaded guilty on behalf of the company during a virtual federal court hearing in front of U.S. District Judge Madeline Cox Arleo. The counts include one of dual-object conspiracy to defraud the United States and to violate the Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and two counts of conspiracy to violate the federal anti-kickback statute. The plea deal announced in October includes the largest penalties ever levied against a pharmaceutical manufacturer, including a criminal fine of $3.544 billion and an additional $2 billion in criminal forfeiture, according to a, deter- to a Department of Justice press release. The company, which declared bankruptcy last year, will be dissolved as part of the plea agreement and its assets will be used to create a new public benefit company controlled by a trust or similar entity designed for the benefit of the American public. Now, will that actually go like that? That would be kind of interesting to see. So the Justice Department has said Purdue Pharma will function entirely in the public interest rather than to maximize profits. Its future earnings will go to paying the fines and penalties, which in turn will be used to combat the opioid crisis. See, this is kind of interesting, right? Like, feel free to give your thoughts on this whole situation. Because the thing is, right? Would you really be able to trust a company that basically created one of the largest drug addictions, basically pandemics ever, right? In the whole history of this country. Like, do you really trust them to actually now just start acting in like the good of you know the american public i kind of don't really believe it because i mean what's to necessarily stop them from potentially you know maybe doing research in that company but then creating like a side company to then go and do stuff the exact same way Since pleading guilty to the criminal charges, the company is taking responsibility for past misconduct, Purdue Pharma said in a statement to CNN Tuesday. Having our plea accepted in federal court and taking responsibility for past misconduct is an essential step to preserve billions of dollars of value for creditors and advance our goal of providing financial resources, and life-saving medicines to address the opioid crisis, this statement said. But again, they basically created this crisis, right? So that's the kind of like issue with I, I with what I see with this, right? Because how can you necessarily trust a company that they're just going to act in the good of the country, Right? So we continue to work tirelessly, tirelessly to build additional support for a proposed bankruptcy settlement 
which would direct the overwhelming majority of the settlement funds to state, local, and tribal governments for the purpose of abating the opioid crisis. According to the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, about 70,000 Americans died of drug overdoses in 2018, just one year of the opioid crisis, and about 70% of those deaths were caused by prescription or illicit opioids like OxyContin. In that year, an estimated 10.3 million Americans, 12 and older, misused opioids. Jesus, 12 and older? Including 9.9 million prescription pain reliever abusers and 808,000 heroin users, according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. So the Sackler family and other current and former employees and owners of the company still face the possibility that federal criminal charges will be filed against them. The only thing is, I don't even think that they're actually in the States anymore, and they're probably in a country that won't extradite them, right? So again, like the thing, again, the problem with this whole thing, right? Okay, you're going after the company, right? The company entity that caused basically all these problems, but the family that created the company is still probably going to be doing whatever they want to be doing, right? Like, they still have billions of dollars, I'm pretty certain. I'm pretty certain they still actually have billions of dollars within that family. So what is to stop them from just creating a whole brand new company in a different country doing the exact same thing and then just doing it worldwide, right? Because the thing is, you could technically just probably create a different company, change the drug makeup of some of these drugs by like a little bit, rebrand it, and then what do you know? You could probably sell it back straight into the United States, right? So this is the only problem that I see because, I mean, just hitting them up with like a bill kind of seems odd to me because... Yeah, they're trying to technically force them to be like a public service to the country. But will that actually work? Would that actually be like even a benefit? Because this is also the problem too, right? Any public service benefit from the United States government isn't really that great, right? It's typically private entities that are typically far greater in their service than a public utility, which is the problem. So, I mean, there's just a lot of issues with this. This company has done a lot of bad things. But I don't really know how this really solves the problem, right? Because you're basically trying to make the company that caused the majority of this opioid crisis to actually occur and basically get it to such a huge like level... But you're trying to make them try to solve that? Because, again, I don't know how well that's going to work out. It's probably not going to work out at all, right? I mean, sure, I'm kind of hopeful. But the thing is, it's the same people, right? It's the same people within that company that are still doing it. It's basically like charging Bernie Madoff with a huge bill not putting him behind bars, not really giving him really any punishment, but then you basically go like, 
hey, yeah, you got this huge bill, but you got to continue to do what you're doing, but in the goodness of the American people, right? Like, like you can see how something like that seems a little bit odd, right? It's like, okay, you want a company that basically turned millions of people basically into drug addicts into trying to cure their addiction like it doesn't make sense right and i remember listening to a podcast about the whole opioid uh, pandemic and it was a pretty scary thing because basically people from any age right from any background no matter their life experience could just try one opioid and literally get addicted for the rest of their lives to the point where they have to take some other drug to simply function so that they don't end up relapsing to go back onto these drugs, right? Which is crazy to hear about, right? Not only that, you start listening on, like within this podcast that I was listening to, there was literally doctors on opioids talking about their drug addiction, and how they're trying to help people that are addicted to opioids get off of opioids when they themselves are on opioids, right? So you got doctors prescribing stuff to stop opioids while the doctors are actually on opioids. It's the craziest thing. Like, you don't really think about it too much in your, like, day-to-day life if you've never done drugs or anything like that. But when you start to, like, peel, like, the layer, the onion layer of this whole opioid kind of situation you start to realize just how a big deal this actually is because think about it think if you are getting operated on and your doctor is on opioids so there's going to be so much more problems and issues that needs to be done and dealt with because okay like say they pay this amount of money right is it just going to go to the government how does that help anything Right? Because look, it has, you know, the criminal fine of $3.544 billion and the additional $2 billion in criminal forfeiture. Right? Okay, so this is what, like they said, is going to be used to create a new public benefit company. So you're basically just turning a bad company into a brand new company, but you're letting them keep all of their assets. Right? Like, can you guarantee that they're actually going to be doing anything good with all of that money? Because think about it. Like, they've made money from pretty much harming people's lives. So, I don't know. It's just crazy. I don't see how this is actually, like, a good thing at all. I don't know how this actually solves anything, to be more specific. Right? So, check out 40inbox.com to master your money, personal finance lessons, and courses. Do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. Feel free to get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. You could also automate your investing with Acorns, which honestly, this is probably one of the best apps that you could probably ever use in like the laziest way possible where you could just automate your investing by having it round up your everyday purchases to the next dollar and invest the difference on your behalf. And you get a small amount of free Bitcoin by joining Coinbase down below and investing $100 into cryptocurrency.
There are some stocks on Robinhood that billionaires bought. So online investing app Robinhood, which is known for its commission-free trades, fractional share investing, and gifting of stock to new members, has gained millions of new users in 2020. Yet the average age of its user base is only 31. While it's great to see young people using time as leverage to invest for their future, it's also unnerving that Robinhood hasn't given these millennial and novice investors the tools needed to, tr to truly succeed. Many don't understand the importance of long-term investing or compounding and have instead chosen to chase penny stocks or otherwise awful companies. Yet you might be surprised to learn that some of the most widely held Robinhood stocks were purchased hand over fist by billionaire money managers during the third quarter. Here are four of the most sought after Robinhood stocks in quarter three. Aurora Cannabis. This is not a joke. Chronic underperforming marijuana stock Aurora Cannabis was a popular purchase among 13F filers in the third quarter and among a handful of billionaire money managers. So Jim Simmons Renaissance Technologies opened a 447,378 share position during the quarter, with Ken Griffin's Citadel Advisors adding 418,994 shares to an existing position. Despite once being the most held stock on the Robinhood platform, Aurora has been a train wreck which is what makes these billionaire buys so surprising. This is a company that's been ravaged by regulatory issues at the federal and provincial level in Canada, as well as the overzealousness of its previous management team. Aurora Cannabis grossly overestimated its capacity needs and overpaid for its acquisitions by a sizable amount. Last year's $3.3 billion Canadian net loss was predominantly the result of write-downs tied to overpriced buyouts and overextended capacity. Aurora Cannabis has also shown little desire to do what's best for shareholders. Between June 2014 and October 2020, the company's outstanding share count grew by more than 11,800% with the company's board recently approving a $500 million in the U.S. at the market offering to raise capital whenever it sees fit. It's drowning its shareholders in dilution and isn't even a lock to survive at this point. Pelenter Technologies Although it only became a public-traded company on the final day of the third quarter, 13F filings show that data mining company Palantir Technologies was a hot buy among 13F filers and select billionaires. Stephen Cohen's .72 asset management gobbled up 29.9 million shares, with Larry Fink's BlackRock and Soros Fund Management, run by George Soros, picking up about $29.3 million, oh, oh, million shares and 18.5 million shares, respectively. The lure of Pelletor is twofold. First, it opted for a direct listing instead of a traditional initial public offering. Without investment banks cheerleading on the sidelines, Pelletor's initial valuation didn't skyrocket to 
the stratosphere. This allowed money managers and retail investors to build a position at a somewhat reasonable valuation. The other factor that excited investors is Palantir's accelerating growth amid the pandemic. Providing its data mining and analytics services for the federal government via its Gotham platform is certainly lucrative. Yet it's Palantir's opportunity with enterprise clients via the Foundry platform that will be the longer-term and safer growth driver. Investors should expect double-digit annual sales growth for a long time to come. Plug Power Another stock billionaires couldn't stop buying during the third quarter was hydrogen fuel cell solutions provider Plug Power. An aggregate 13F filers increased their stakes by more than 18% in Plug Power in quarter three, with BlackRock's Larry Fink taking the biggest bite at an additional 7.63 million shares. Concerns over climate change are a driving well, are driving a renewable energy revolution that goes well beyond broad-scale electric utilities and plug power is providing its hydrogen power technology mobility solutions to a number of brand name retailers and grocers this desire to go green coupled with the coronavirus disease in 2019 pandemic dramatically increasing demand for many of plug power's core clients has made for a banner year Plug's four-year guidance implies year-on-year sales growth of around 35%. Additionally, Plug Power has wisely locked in some of its most important clients with warrant deals. In 2017, Amazon was granted warrants to acquire up to 55.3 million shares of Plug stock, with these warrants investing based on Amazon's orders of fuel cell and hydrogen technology from Plug. Considering that Plug Power's stock has soared since this announcement, Amazon is fully incentivized to exercise these warrants and continue deepening its relationship with Plug. Bitcoin's boom may just be beginning. The cryptocurrency's comeback could go exponential next year. Two traders said Tuesday after Bitcoin broke above $19,000 and rallied nearly 3.5%, closing in on its 2017 record highs. Bitcoin is up over 166% year-to-date, buoyed by bullish sentiment tied in part to fintech companies including PayPal and Square getting into crypto. It's hard to give Bitcoin an intrinsic fundamental value because they're pretty much a finite supply. Todd Gordon, founder of TradingAnalysis.com, told CNBC's Trading Nation on Tuesday, Only 25, uh, 21 million Bitcoins will ever be produced. To try and see where the trade would, could be headed, Gordon used a concept known as the Elliott Wave Theory. It's a wonderful way to value crypto because Elliott Wave is meant to detect the hurting mentality and the emotions driving the price, fear, and greed, and it creates very recognizable patterns, he said, turning to a chart of Bitcoin. The Elliott Wave theory is based on the idea that there's five ways in a primary trend, three uptrends, and two intervening corrections, Gordon said. Their first wave higher occurred in 2014, followed by decline in 2015, 
and a long-term uptrend through 2018, Gordon said the fourth wave has formed sort of a sideways triangle over the course of the last two years, and the fifth could be Bitcoin's latest wave higher, the trader said. The point of all this is a reliable relationship in the Elliott wave theory is the percent distance traveled in that first wave in 2014 is often equal to the percent change in wave 5, Gordon said. Seeing as the first wave was a roughly 658% rally, Gordon's target was a lofty one. I can't believe I'm going to go out on CNBC and say this, but it's about $74,000, he said. The Elliott wave goes very well with the Fibonacci multiples, and if it does want to fall short, it can go to 61% of that target, which is only at 34000 Bitcoin climbed to around $19,045.17 by Tuesday afternoon, according to CoinMetrics. And another trader saw even loftier heights ahead for the crypto play. I've always had to own some. Mark Tepper, president and CEO of Strategic Wealth Partners, said in the same Trading Nation interview. It's like a FOMO concept for me, he said. If I never owned any and Bitcoin hits 100,000 per coin, I'd probably cry myself to sleep every night for the rest of my life if I didn't own some. Until recently, Tepper treated Bitcoin like any other speculative investment, owning a small enough amount that it wouldn't tank his portfolio if if the trade went south. But that changed when PayPal and other companies started to dip their toes in the space, he said. The thing that's always held me back from being an outright Bitcoin bull has really been this lack of widespread adoption. But adoption's happening in those users, those PayPal and Square users, they're buying more Bitcoin than what's actually hitting the market on a daily basis, Tepper said. You can kind of compare this to Tesla, he said. Tesla's up over 500% this year, in my opinion, and I think Bitcoin could potentially be the Tesla of 2021. It could, in my most bullish case possible, get to 100k by the end of the next year. That'd be my bull case. I think my base case is a little closer to its doubling up to about 40k by the end of 2021. Feel free to give your thoughts about Bitcoin. Check out 40inbox.com to master your money. Personal finance lessons and courses. Do you want to make money online? Learn the four steps to make money online in the description of this episode. You can get a free stock worth up to $500 by joining Robinhood and linking a bank account. And feel free to automate your investing with Acorns. You can get a small amount of free Bitcoin by joining Coinbase and investing $100. And to 